Picnic kicking out on the warm water shore. Nobody knows that we're always at hand to watch all the spaceships that take off and land. Success in most things depends on finding people stupid enough to volunteer to try doing them, but smart enough to have a chance of succeeding. Uh, Jack Campbell, the Lost Fleet Ascendant. Hello and welcome to another episode of Lost Transmissions, a battlefully gothic podcast set in the Age of Darkness. I am your host, and once again, as always, here with our local Admiral, Austin. And today we're doing something a little bit different. Uh, We're not going to talk about any rules, or any legions, or any mechanicum, any ships. Well, we might talk about ships. We're always down to talk about ships. Um, and we're probably going to talk about a legion at some point. Yeah, okay. So there's a, at least a 50 per, 50% chance of legion. Um, but Austin and I were kind of talking, and we're like, we should, we should find an episode to do outside of, you know, just talking strictly crunch. And we've done a lore episode already. And then I thought, well, you know what? We have so many inspirations and so many things sitting on our bookshelves and on our project tables and downloaded on our computers that kind of serve as inspiration for us when we're writing these uh, these rules and playing our games. And so we decided we would do a episode that we're calling The Spirit of Battlefleet Heresy. And um, it's kind of another peek behind the curtain into... Uh, into the thought processes, but more specifically, the more imaginative part. Um, so if you don't want to hear us ramble about things that we love... Why have you been listening to us at all? Yeah. <laughs> First of all, you've made a terrible mistake. Uh, and second of all, we're not stopping. So, haha. It's all true. All ten of you can just be upset. Yeah. All ten of you. So where do we, where do you want to start? Uh, well, when we were planning this episode, insofar as we plan anything, <laughs> he says, "Like we do that." <laughs> we kind of narrow. We kind of uh, set up three sec- uh, segments for this, for three main points of inspiration, um, and we're, we'll we'll start right off the bat. Uh, we have definitely been playing these these songs in at the start of episodes since we started. And uh, I know we've even talked about it before on the Main Remembrancers Retreat podcast, but we've never actually spent some time to explain Filk. That is F-I-L-K, Filk. Um, it is a genre of music. It is a technically a subgenre of folk music. And in fact, I believe, if the stories are to be believed, uh, the name came about because some critic was writing out folk music and as it pertained to the subgenre and he misspelled it as filk and that's just what stuck yep that's a story i heard mm-hmm. uh, but it is a subgenre of folk music that focuses almost exclusively on sci-fi and fantasy subject matter now if you're hearing that and you're thinking well that sounds weird you're right yeah you've heard the songs presumably. it's weird we, we don't know if we have one for this one, uh, just because we try to go in theme and we don't have a song about the spirit of a made-up rule set for a dead game, a uh, <laughs> folk song. We, weirdly, you'd think you could find anything on the internet. Um, but yeah, it it's sort of fascinating. And Steven turned me on to it. He's the reason why it exists in your heads now. Uh, if you've listened to 
multiple episodes of this podcast. Uh, how did you find it? Well, I was uh, minding my own business one day, and a friend of mine, a girl named Taryn, texted me and said, Hey, um, I found this thing, and I think you'll like it. And it was a YouTube link, so I was like, okay, fine, whatever, I'm painting, I'm listening to music anyway, let's open this up. And it goes to a page, uh, uh, Dawson's Christian is the name of the song, from an album called Carmen Miranda's Ghost. And I was like, these are a bunch of words that I never expected to see together. And the album cover is this real vintage retro look, and it's Carmen Miranda, the the famous South American singer, dancer, movie star, entertainer, in her big, tall fruit hat. Um, if you are still unfamiliar, she's the she's the lady that first did like the bikini top and the skirt and a giant hat of piled up fruit. That's Carmen Miranda. Um, so it's her set to a backdrop of space, and it's all kind of like contrasted out, so it, she looks like a ghost, and there's a spaceship flying across uh, the middle of the picture. And then in big fancy letters, Carmen Miranda's ghost. So right off the bat, I was like, what the hell is this? But I'm never one to turn down a good YouTube link, so I start listening. And I'm listening, and I'm like, this is, a co- this is kind of a catchy song. It's neat, and I start listening to the lyrics, and I'm like, I've never heard before a song about a ghost ship in space. But like Austin said, you can find anything on the internet, right? Except apparently, well, never mind. We, um, we may find it yet. We may find it yet, but uh, I, I was listening to it, and I listened to it all the way through, and then I listened to it again, and I texted her back, and I said, okay, that was interesting. And I sent it off to Austin. Austin and uh, Jesse and Will and the other the other rumors for retreat guys. And I was like, help. I need help determining if this is the coolest stupid thing that I've ever heard or the stupidest cool thing that I've ever heard. And uh, I think Austin was probably the only person that actually listened to it the first time. Uh, because you I remember sent me his... a link to Dawson's Christian. Yes. How could I not? Have I, we done that one yet? Yeah, that was the first one we did. Ah, uh, it's so good. Yeah, we might if you want to listen to Dawson's Christian, mm. it's on our very first episode, um, the Navigator episode or the pilot, whatever you want to call it. Um, but I remember your 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 response word for word, very distinctly. It was, "What in all possible fucks is this?" <laughs> yeah, that sounds like me. Yeah. And what what was your thought process when you heard this song? <clears throat> well, just, I mean, it, it was that, right? It was that. And the first time I heard it, I was like, damn. Because I, I don't know if I'm unique in this at all. Um, but I tend to like a song more for the lyrics than the melody. Melody is the thing I'm talking about. You're a music major. You can tell me if I'm right. Yes, the melody, um, the the series of sounds that you hear at yes, what pitch the, and what and at what the interval. song part. <laughs> I care about less than the lyric part. Um, so I just thought that was fucking wild. Ghost spaceship. I'm here about it, and this was right about the time uh, that. 
the 30K area in Richmond had finally begun succumbing to the lure of Battlefleet Gothic uh, that I had been trying desperately to seed out for a number of years uh, because, as many of you that have gotten people into Battlefleet Gothic or Battlefleet Heresy since uh, GW stopped supporting BFG, uh, you'll probably recognize this scenario. Somebody we didn't know got rid of a shit ton of ships so, like, six people could get fleets for super cheap. And that was their, like, impetus of, like, oh, well, like, I'll try it out. I'll spend, like, 30 bucks, get a fleet, try it out. Oh, my God. And now Steven is here on a podcast talking about Battlefleet Heresy. <laughs> so be careful, kids. That $30 initial investment. You just spent, like, 300 on a bid, didn't on a lot, didn't you? I Yeah, I just yeah. bought a, mm-hmm. uh, a lot straight off mm-hmm. of Facebook. I saw it. I saw the Ramillies in the corner, and I was like, I don't care what else is in that lot. Give me that Ramillies. <laughs> Um, but yeah, so I just started delving deeper and deeper into it, um, to the point where I now have my own Battlefleet Heresy playlist that is 90, a solid 90% filk. Um, like Leslie Fish, who is a little crazy in real life. Um, (laughs) please don't sue us. Please don't sue us, Leslie Fish. We, we love your music. Uh, Julia Eklar, all the like crazy people that started doing this in the 80s before there were the internet. And like, if you go to YouTube, it's like people that have recorded like cassettes from 1982 so other people can now hear these songs. Yeah, we, we should um, note that the first Filk songs were, as near as we can tell, about the space race during the Cold War. Yeah. And some people wrote some songs about them. And, like, they made it onto their tapes, and they went off into the world. Um, but this is not a... We discovered it, you know, in 2019. This stuff was written in the 80s and has not been reproduced since. Yeah. Um, there's actually... So, Fire in the Sky, which is one of my favorites, um, was made in honor of the creation of the space shuttle. <laughs> so, like... And that's a quote, recent filk, right? Um, but weirdly enough, Stephen, uh, you're, you were actually a reintroduction to filk for me. Um, I read a lot of weird stuff, and one of, one of the authors I like, John Ringo, uh, who's done a million different books about all sorts of sci-fi things. Like, if you, if you read sci-fi at all, you've probably read some of his books, um, one of his series, and I don't even remember what it was, um, but it was quoting a song, uh, called March of Cambreth, which I just fucking loved. It's a fantasy song, you know, the other, the other half of Filk, but I discovered that in like 2011 and like, it was a good life. I was doing study abroad in Australia uh, like I was, you know, the drinking age was 18 and I was a 19 year old American and like March of Cambreth. Bam. It apparently won an award for best battle song. Um, but foolish me, um, because my college is essentially a small prison, uh, didn't really delve too much deeper into it. So all glory to Stephen for, like, expanding my knowledge of Filk 
and even what the word meant because I didn't I, I knew nothing except this literally this one song but there's a ton of stuff in here that if you like you know space and sci-fi and all that you're gonna enjoy it but there's also some really cool ones that just kind of scream Battlefleet Gothic and like the grim darkness of the far future uh, which is fun. I tend to have my Filk playlist on uh, when I'm painting BFH. Uh, I listened through the rest of Carmen Miranda's Ghost, the album, and there were some like real cheesy tracks on there that I was like, I uh, don't want to listen to that again. But there were some really cool ones. Um, Bomber is probably one of my favorites on there, oh, which yeah, we play at the beginning. Bomber. Yeah, mm. we play it at the beginning of our uh, Ordinance episode. Um, Dawson's Christian, like I said, uh, the sun is also a warrior. The sun is also a warrior. Ugh. Although that is a Leslie Fish song, but not on, uh, Carmen Miranda's ghost, which if you can somehow find hard copies of Carmen Miranda's ghost and, then a, that thing up. and then a cassette player to play it on, <laughs> yeah, you can buy those for 20 bucks at Walmart still. Oh, really? Well, look, yeah. look at you. 20 bucks seems like a lot to pay for a Walkman, but. You know, whatever. I'm not an economist. They haven't changed price in the past 40 years. So uh, I listened to it and I kind of thought like, okay, well, that was cool and quaint. Um, but I'm probably not going to find anything else like that to listen to. And I went about my day and like a week later, Austin's like, hey, cool. I put this playlist together. And Austin had gone and found way more filk. Uh Fire in the Sky by Minus Ten and Counting, uh, the entire Finity's End album, which um, we should note, a lot of the Filk songs are based on existing sci-fi material. Uh, Finity's End, for instance, the album um, by, well, I can't read the name, but uh, is based on DJ Shara's uh, great body of works. Um, my favorite song off of that album, Signe Mallory, is a character in his books, or her books? I'm not sure what CJ's gender is. Anyway. I, I would have to guess woman, just because writing... Wait, no, I, mean, I can, I can, right I can check. Yep, it's a, yep, it's a woman. woman. You can always tell, yes. dear reader, uh, if your old sci-fi book was written by a woman, uh, because they'll use their initials. Because in you know, who's gonna buy a book written from by a woman in 1976? <laughs> Turns out a whole bunch of people, because she's real fucking good at her job. Uh huh. Yes, but that album uh, is all about the yeah. boy. I cannot remember anything. Down below station. That's what it is. It's yep, the Down yep. Below Station book. Uh, Down Below in... Station, Cytine. Um, she's got like an a lot. The Alliance Uni Union universe is the like world mm -hmm. that uh, the series is in. Yes. Uh, Julia Eklar has a album called The Horse Tamer's Daughter, which, if I'm not mistaken, is based on a book series of the same name. That I haven't read. Uh -huh. the, um, the album Where No Man is almost entirely Star Trek based um, the famous song well famous in quotes <laughs> nice. right? 
we if like you're a it. Firefly fan, <laughs> and if you're a Battlefly Gothic fan, you're probably a Firefly fan on some level. And if you don't know about Firefly, Google it, watch the season, watch the movie, weep. Yes. Or don't to save yourself that sorrow. Um, it's not bad, but you will be you will be very sad by the end. Anyway, um, that has a, a famous, again, in quotations, uh, one of the most famous Filk songs is called Band from, Band from Argo and appears on Firefly and was also written by Leslie Fish. Wow. Uh, if you are a Spotify type, uh, Leslie Fish's most recent album, uh, Avalon is Risen, is on Spotify, and, and when has did that some, come out, Stephen? Uh, Avalon is risen. Shoot, in the two thousands, quote unquote, recently. <laughs> uh, I can see Avalon is risen. No, oh, two thousand twelve. Holy shit! Yeah, Not that. Yeah, it's only eight years old. That that's fantastic. Mm-hmm. There's actually two versions of Avalon is risen. Um, you can find the original recording on Google Music, um, but there's Avalon is Risen, and then there's Avalon is Risen Retro Filk Mix, mm-hmm. and that takes out a lot of the um, industry, so to speak. There's there's no, there's no a lot less choral work. Most of the electronic instruments are gone. It's almost entirely just Leslie with her guitar, um, but yeah. some of our favorite Filk songs come off of that album. Ship of Stone, mm-hmm. The Sun is Also a Warrior, uh, Chickasaw Mountain and Ballad of Three Kings are some of my favorites. So I should also point out here that just like somebody singing with the guitar is the foundation of Filk, because um, how this all came about, you know, if the legends are to be believed, is literally just like, you know, the, the convention scene for various sci-fi stuff was kind of getting going uh, in the late 60s and 70s. And it would literally be like, you know, a nerd with their guitar would be like, hey, I wrote this song about Star Trek. And all the other nerds would be like, all right. (laughs) Why not? And they'd like just sit in a circle and like sing their random songs about the space race or a book they liked or whatever it happened to be. Uh, Yeah. And it turns out some of them were real good at it. Mm Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah, there's, I mean, really the whole Minus 10 and Counting album isn't fictional. It's mostly historical ac- uh, historical accounts or mm-hmm. romanticized historical accounts. I should be entirely accurate. Um, but it's still real good. Like, it's still moving music. The melodies are simple and easy to play. Toast for Unknown um, Heroes. Mm, mm, yeah, mm. That, is a, that is one thing. And again, Stephen's the music major here. I know nothing about it. But it does seem like... You know, if you've just gotten a guitar and are trying to get good at it, these are all songs that you could learn to play pretty easily and pretty well. Because it's like, like I said, it was originally, you know, some nerd with no professional training sitting in a circle of other nerds playing it at the end of a convention. And if you've been to a convention, you know that at night during a convention is when you're at your most intoxicated. So, like, the, the melody has to be easy. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. Yeah, if you're one of those types that likes to listen to, um, like, more modernized uh, Siemens songs, you know, Stan Rogers, the Dreadnoughts, uh, Folksville Singers, and you like, you like listening to sea shanties, because you're weird like us 
this is a next logical step. A lot of these things could be sea shanties in space. Yes, this will bring your love of Battlefleet Heresy and your love of sea shanties together. If yep. you dress up at Ren Fairs and play 30K, boy, do we have the albums for you. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Uh, if you have the, the Red Book in your possession and you see all of those little flavor texts that we put in there, almost all of them are Filk references. I don't know about almost all, but a solid 50%. Yeah, um, there's ship there's... names in there that are... Sh- uh, yep. I know I've referenced Ship of Stone. I know there's a ship in the Red Book called the Ship of Stone. Uh, it's one of the Imperial Fist ones. Yes. Yeah. So... Like, the on page, like, seven, like, right at the beginning of the book, the there's a verse... And literally the only thing I did was change out Sigmy Mallory's name for Latara Saren because they're the same fucking person. <laughs> um, so, yeah, we enjoy them. You probably will, too. Give it a go. And it, it's great inspiration because I don't, I don't know about you guys, but when I paint, I like like normally when I'm, I'm painting, like my wife is in the room and like we're watching some, you know, garbage TV show that you don't really think about. Uh, and I'm painting and she's, you know, on her laptop or whatever. Um, but I also paint early in the morning before she gets up. And at that point, I like having a playlist going and I tend to theme it. So like when I was painting my friggin' Civil War army for doing six millimeter American Civil War, it was nothing but like battle cry of freedom and all that crap. Uh, and when it comes to painting tiny spaceships, it's folk. Yep. Yeah, and it does work. It's nice, relaxing music. It's good times. And uh, we're going to take a brief break here. Um, we'll let Jesse give you some, you know, the things you're used to hearing by now. Uh, we'll be right back. This episode of Lost Transmissions is brought to you with the generous support of our patrons, starting with our Praetor tier, Alex Self, Chris Mack, Jacob Dillon, Gardner.Tree of Woe, Joe from Music City Heresy, Luke Rizzuto, Matthew Boyce, Mr. Baldwick, and Nicholas Quenga. Our Legion Centurions, Angry Boy, John Christensen, M. Tanzer, Queen Corswain, Scott LeMay, The Original Applesauce, and Black Label Painting. And finally, our Legion Sergeants, Aaron Maynard, Duncan, Emily O'Hare, Garrett Lowe, Nicholas Gillen, and What Do I Call Myself? Thank you all once again for your generous support. And if you're interested in becoming a patron, go over to patreon.com forward slash RR30K podcast. Thanks again. And we're back. Uh, before we get into this next section, which is one of the funner parts, naming ships, uh, we're going to do a shout out to Soulforge Studios. Um, this is a guy who's pretty active in our Discord uh, and has been showing us a lot of cool 3D printed uh, ships that he's been designing. Uh, lots of really... He did some really cool work with the Imperial Prowls. He flipped them upside down to make them look more like, you know, classical ships. But then he's got the, you know, the the typical blunt-nosed ships that we all know and love. Um, but you can find him on Patreon right now, and you should go and give him a few dollars. Because, boy... These ships are some of the best 3D printed ones that we have seen. And he has been doing the Lord's work or the Emperor's work or Corrin's work or whoever needs work done. Um, by spreading the word of Battlefleet Heresy, chances are if you recognize the name already, then you've probably spoken to him about it. 
Yes. And it is important, dear listener, uh, if you have a 3D printer, to do that pretty much immediately if you've heard this right when we release. Because I guess he's his newest uh, thing he's got going is a totally not Gloriana-class battleship that's fucking just beautiful. And huge. Yeah, it's massive. It's got two... Like gun decks, like the standard cruiser, like weapons battery that's in all the Imperial ships. There's two of those, and it goes, I think, six of those long for the main part of the hull. Uh, uh, four. Four. And then it yeah. just bounces into like massive engines, massive prow. It's everything you want a glory on it to be. Um, so, yeah, you know, if you, yeah. if you have if a resin printer. Other, if his other designs are anything to go off of. Then the yeah, preview all... that he's got on Patreon right now is certainly not the only pieces for that class of ship. Um, They're all real pretty. And the designs are 100% his. Like, I say Imperial Weapons Batteries, and, like, you can look at him and be like, ah, that's an Imperial Weapons Battery. Um, but he's not one of those assholes that is just, like, scanned, like, GWIP and turned it into a thing. Yeah. Because we don't hold with that. My God. Go do something else with your life. Um, <laughs> do ye not like, that. Like our, like our buddy who's, well, I say buddy. I don't know who what his real name is. Um, but he's taken the time to do all of the actual design work himself. And it is amazing. Uh, yeah. It's, mm-hmm. it's super cool. So, yeah. Big thanks to the, uh, the figureheads at... Uh, Soulforge Studios for both putting in this effort and for spreading the word of the podcast. Or not the podcast, but the rules. You know what I mean. Now onward. Um, anyone who plays Battlefleet Gothic, or more specifically paints Battlefleet Gothic, will tell you that one of the funnest parts of uh, building a fleet is naming your ships. Every ship has to have a name. It's unlucky to not have a name, it's unlucky to change names, or to have the wrong name, but that's beside the point. There's a lot of luck involved in space, right? But a lot of it is tied to your ship's name. It's true. And you'll... they'll get, they'll get their own glory, right? Some ships are terminally unlucky. We all know it. Um, and if you play like 30k or 40k or whatever you tend to have the same experience, but it tends to only be with characters. Uh, because, you know, you're 20-man squad of space marines. There are 20-man squad of space marines, and you love them to death, but you've got three others, and they all kind of blend together, you know? Like, it's just, ah, the damn Terminator squad is screwed up again. But in Battlefleet Gothic and Battlefleet Heresy, you remember the names, right? Steven? Right. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Just so. Uh, and your opponents will remember the names. So it is of the utmost importance to pick a good one. But that being said, there's a lot that goes in to naming a ship. Well, it varies from player to player. Ah, wasn't supposed to drop that. Uh, some people, you know, just pick a name out of a book, slap it on the ship, and go. And that's fine. You know, there's nothing wrong with with being decisive. Yeah, historically Mm -hmm. accurate. Mm -hmm. Uh, 
Um, some people, like me, sit there and scour Wikipedia for hours and hours for specific names of deities to, ter- to translate into Gothic and then name a ship. Because I play word bearers and we're all about that sort of shit. Yep. Or, like me, uh, where you spend hours and hours pouring through uh, really, really old, like, Norse which don't don't have like that's not on Google Translate. You have to like find friggin' scholarly journal articles of like old Norse translations of things, and then pick the ones that sound cool and go with that, uh, because you play totally not space Viking. <laughs> it's the only time you'll hear me say that. <laughs> space Vikings. It's funny he's talking about space wolves. The Vilka Fenrica are an ancient and honorable branch of Astartes. Um, yeah, they just all happen to look like Vikings. It's fine. It's all right. They, they look, man. They drink. It's it's cool. So yeah, what what goes into that? I mean, for some things, it's easy, right? Like word bearers find a bunch of old gods, uh, translate them into Latin, go. Uh, space wolves. Find some old Viking words for, like, bloody spear and, you know, angry death and go. Uh, But there are some that are a little trickier. Mm -hmm. It is a little... Some of them are still just as simple as that. The Imperial Fists and the Ultramarines all have very... And to a lesser extent, the the mortals of the Imperial Army all have pretty, um, like, kind of regal sounding semi-latin names Mm -hmm. Uh, they have nice names pretty names Uh, the ultramarines have a frigate called the ophelia and isn't that a nice name for a ship as long as you don't pay too close attention to that story never mind never mind don't look at that um the uh imperial fists have the three sisters of justice which are uh no i'm blanking but they're named after Greek heroines, if I'm not mistaken. Yep. Uh, and then, like, they're even simpler because neither of those legions uh, have any creativity to speak of, right? Mm, <laughs> It'll be the Hammer of Ultramar, you know, the Shield of Conor. Mm-hmm. What a, you know, add hammer, sword, or shield uh, in front of anything. And you're good, yeah. Paint it blue, paint it yellow, whatever you want. Yeah, the same. Away you go. Uh, yes. But then you get some weird ones, right? Uh, like the Death Guard, strangely. Uh, if you're playing late heresy, everybody seems to be, you know, Contagion or Black Death or whatever. But what's telling to me anyway is that the first Death Guard ship you really... Well, the first Death Guard ship that comes to mind, besides the Endurance, uh, is the Eisenstein, Mm -hmm. which is a frigate named after Einstein. So, like, that's a little weird. Yeah, and some some of their stuff is, uh, they have names that invoke the image of death, like Mortarion's personal, I think, like Assault Ram is the Fourth Horseman. Mm-hmm. Which, you know, the name that sat upon him is death and hell follows with him. Yep. Um, the, they have like the Necrotor. Uh, let me, let me look actually at the 14th Legion. 
And you get, oops, that's the Ultramarines. Uh, the Necrotor, the Reaper's Shroud. Uh, Mia Donna Mori, which I still don't know what that means. I've been looking for the like the loose translation of that for a while. What was and the name? Mia Donna Mori. And I think it I think it means like my something death. Uh, I don't know what my Donna. My name is death. My name is death. I don't know. Um, morbid revelation, uh, the stalwart. Lots of like dour, blunt sounding names. Right. Personally, one of the legions that I enjoyed naming ships for the most when oh, home. Uh, what home? What's that? Uh, my my name my my house is death. Oh, ooh, oh, wow! Even that's a that's a little spookier when you consider that the Mia Donna Mori was one of the ships that conducted chemical exterminatus. Hooray! Like that was its thing. It was the original plague ship. Yeah, but you Ooh. can also get weird with it, right? Um, because, as Stephen mentioned earlier, luck plays a like luck is is big uh, in a sailor's heart, and by extension, a voidsman's heart. They're a superstitious bunch, and there are things you don't do, and one of those things you don't do is rename a ship. Yep, it's a bad time. Yeah, you don't you don't do it. Case in point, all of the renamed ships in Warhammer usually get blown up. Yep. Or uh or chaos and they get renamed by the Imperials, which I can only assume is times. like a unintentional like giving of bad juju you know what well I, mean? I like to think that since the imperium considers you know a ship alive to an extent um i like to think that the renaming of a ship after it is confirmed to have defected is a sort of is to make sure that the deeds of that ship post defection do not sully the memory and honor of what it was before yeah, and also for the Imperial Navy, in 40K at least, uh, names get reused. Mm -hmm. uh, so it, after, I think after a century of being lost in the warp, the name gets recycled, uh, which, if you know anything about the warp, doesn't really mean anything time-wise if your ship has been lost in the warp. So you could be lost in the warp, make a pact with chaos, come out a week later, and two centuries will have gone by, and, you know... His Divine Majesty's ship, you know, badass. Uh, well, that name has already been reissued. So we got to call it something else. <laughs> Oops. Um, but if you capture a ship, generally speaking, the name stays. Uh, and for the Imperium, like we, we all know that like they have the Imperial ships and they're all Imperial and that's what's happening. Um. And in the Horus Heresy, they don't seem to really come across, you know, a civilization that also has sword escorts. But there's really no reason why they wouldn't. Because uh, the Imperium doesn't invent things on its own, really. No. Uh, for the most part, they just take old human tech. So there's nothing to say that, you know, the civilization that has las guns on the surface and has a navy 
that fought the Great Crusade uh, wouldn't have, you know, imperial escorts or whatever uh, that then get captured and repurposed because the only real difference would be they wouldn't have navigators. Uh, but then those names get cycled in. So you can have really weird stuff going down. Uh, and part of that is because it's 30K, 40K was a British invention, right? So they look to the Royal Navy for a lot of stuff, uh, like the HMS Temeraire, uh, which was captured from the French uh, in like 1759, like a third rate, like a ship of the line. Uh, but then they like it. So they just like they actually launched ships after that called the Temeraire, presumably just to give the French the middle finger. <laughs> um, so, you know, you can have a Space Wolf ship and call it, you know, the Tomoa Gozen. And you're like, oh, that's a weird name for a Space Wolf ship. Like, Not at all. They took it off some other guy who named it that and they're not renaming it. Shit, you want it to get lost in the warp for all eternity? Yeah. And the, the, there's a whole lot of, like, background that you're going to put into your fleet that, honestly, no one is ever going to know but you. And that's a lot to draw on mm-hmm. when it comes to naming your ships. You can name them after your Primarch. You can name them after your Captain. You can name them after particular engagements that only happened in your head. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it does make the games more fun, especially the campaigns. Mm-hmm. Uh, when you have named ships... Uh, that even if it's just you that's put thought into it and you're not telling your, like, opponents, ah, this is, you know, ship so-and-so that was launched 100 years ago and this is her captain and blah, 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 blah. Uh, It does make the games more interesting because you've got a connection to the models and, like, oh, no, my Gothic-class cruiser got destroyed. Oh, no. But... If it's if you know, the Imperius gets destroyed, God, that hurts. That hurts mm-hmm. your soul because you can't just call it the Imperius Two. Got to yep. rename her in a campaign, my friend. Yeah, and then and, she's and I renamed, don't just hate which is bad luck. And uh, and I don't just hate any Dauntless. I hate the Yala specifically. He real does. Austin will tell you when we play a game and he puts the Yala down, or I see it coming around a planet or something. I, there's a a look that I get when I stare at that ship for a while. He gets a little twitchy, and then he gets a little quiet, and then he makes really bad choices that are solely meant to destroy that ship at the expense of everything else in the game. Yeah, there's almost a mechanical benefit to naming a ship, doing really well with it, and then continuously playing it against the person that it usually does really well against. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I don't bring that Dauntless that much against other people. Just against me, because he likes to watch me squirm. And it knows what to do. And it does. It's usually just to go hunt down my poor hangman, who never did anything to anybody Only in the history of time. Mm. 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 But yeah, there's also fun times to be found uh, all over the internet. You know, you can find lists of famous ships that you can look at, and you can be like, well, you know, I bet voidsmen in the 31st millennium still remember this name and boom there you go you got a murder cruiser uh named the ronald reagan i mean the weird thing is like just from a pure pure fluff perspective they probably do 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because like there's you probably all... think of Ronald Reagan as some great pre-unity Terran warlord. They probably don't. They probably just know that the Ronald Reagan in the year 1048 was the, you know, flagship of some fleet that won some famous victory and are naming it after that. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Uh, it's sort of like the Enterprise, right? The the space shuttle Enterprise. Naturally. Which yes, is yes. named after the Star Trek ship Enterprise, uh, which is named after historical enterprises from British naval history, uh, but is now in the rotation. Like they're talking about new, you know, the ships that will take us to Mars or wherever. Uh, and they're talking about one of them will also be named the Enterprise. Hmm. And then it becomes, well, what are you naming it after? A dun- Like a sci-fi show from 80 years ago? No, man, we're, we're naming it to the first ship after the first ship that went to Mars. Like, oh, well, damn, that's a good, that's, yeah, I'd name something after that. Yep. And yep. That's a so holy the, ship as far as the uh, Martians are concerned. Yeah. So it just keeps going. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, you know, all it takes is one alien to teach us how to build one cruiser. And, like, America, we'd absolutely start naming them just like we name them after our wet Navy ships right now, right? There'd be every city in North America would have a starship named after it. The Constitution would be a battleship in space. Yeah. Well, I mean, in... Uh, See down uh, down below station, the ships are all named after the old nations of Earth. So Sydney Mallory's flagship is the Norway, and you know nobody in that universe besides you know the historians back on Earth, which literally no one in the book has been to, uh, remembers Norway as like a country. They just it's think just of a... Norway as the badass fleet carrier. Yep. Yep. And speaking of Down Below Station, um, your old sci-fi books uh, or filk songs, in my case, that's where I learned about the Norway. It's not because I read Down Below Station. It's because I heard Signe Mallory. Uh, I've definitely named ships after filk songs. Um, As is only right and just. We have, uh, we have a Space Hulk for our yet-to-be-launched Battlefleet Heresy event at Nova that's named after a particularly ominous thing that we heard in Dawson's Christian. Uh, there's a line that says there are stories of the horseman, the Celeste and Bonham's bride. No, stories of the Dutchman. Yeah, the Celeste, the Celeste and Bonham's bride. bride. There are stories of the horseman and the lady at his side. We made an entire Battlefleet Gothic event based off of that line. Stories of the horseman and the lady at his side. Yep. There's a Sounded space creepy. Hulk. We did it. There's a Space Hulk sitting on my shelf right now called the Horseman with a much smaller light cruiser called the Lady. The other light cruisers are the Normandy and the Hammurabi. So, it's all there. Yeah, and uh, my first Battlefleet Gothic fleet uh, were all named after Star Wars ships. Uh, Generally Imperial Navy, because... The Mon Cal's are terrible at naming ships that are pronounceable. <laughs> uh, or just terrible at naming ships. Home One? Come on now. It's, this it's is what great. happens when you convert luxury liners into warships. But like Peacemaker, 
fuck yeah, I'm going to make peace with my mile-long cruiser. <laughs> yeah. Making peace for someone. Hey, man, I will make a desert and call it peace. That's in the Bible. I mean, it's, it's in the Bible. Nah. You know, so it's good. It's uh, fine. And again, like, it doesn't take much, right? Like, the Enterprise, the space shuttle, uh, was before the, before the internet... Um, there was a writing campaign to call it the Enterprise, and enough nerds wrote in that they were just like, fuck, all right, fine. Um, you guys are going to be our future engineers. We may as well keep you happy. Right? Uh, and there are so many weird things, like if, if any of you are like prior or current service or like work in intelligence or anything like that, every once in a while you'll be doing a thing and running across and be like, Huh, what a weird acronym for this. You know that? Oh, uh, you know what? I bet he's a fan of something. And nobody knows except like the in crowd of nerds. So it just Go sort of everywhere. propagates and becomes an official thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, so since the grim darkness of the far future is technically our future, there's really nothing canonically wrong with any given like series of sci-fi or fantasy ship that you run across, uh, naming it, naming your ships after that, because, Hey man, all it takes is that one writing campaign by nerds or, you know, one nerd in the ship naming department in yep. then it gets it to be like a tugboat and 500 years from now in the next, you know, the second space war, when they're running out of names for shit, Somebody goes, ah, well, just fuck it. Just name it after all the tugboats from like 2050. Fuck it. <laughs> Pull up the yeah. the New York City, uh, and, ch- the, the Chesapeake Bay Fleet Tugboat Registry book. Yeah. And, and then just start naming that, ships. That tugboat becomes famous or, you know, some nerd 100 years from now names his shitty like asteroid miner, you know, the home one and... It's Bam. the first ship that meets aliens, and then, you know, so it becomes famous, and, you know, every flagship of the human exploratory fleet is named Home One after that, and nobody remembers why, and then 30K, bam, here's the Dauntless-class frigate Home One. Hot damn. Names so, yeah. are weird. You can, you can but do whatever na- you want. giving things names gives them power, as any vaguely spiritual person will tell you. So it's always good to have your ships named. It's true. Don't be one of those people that's like, I'm going to name my ship after I get a game in with it, because you are going to have a really sad name. Mm, It's going to be bad, Mm -hmm. and your ship will feel bad. Yep. Um, But for this last bit of what inspires us, uh, we're going to give it up to Austin for this one entirely. Yeah, uh... So it came to my attention that Stephen hasn't actually read a whole lot of sci-fi, which I, is disappointing and distressing. I'm not going to lie. I'm just, just stealing books out of your house. Right? Um, but anyway, so when we were talking about this, he wanted to hit up uh, things that inspired me in my Battlefleet heresy-ness. Uh, and I got to thinking about it. And I figured that it might be nice to, like, throw out some leads for you guys. Because while Battlefleet Gothic is awesome, and Battlefleet Heresy, because it's in the Heresy, even more awesome, GW doesn't have a lot going on. 
like pure space warfare shenanigans. You know, it's got Execution Hour and Shadow Point, which are old and nobody can get their hands on anymore. Uh, and there's some good stuff in the Solar War, but if you want a book that's just all about spaceships beating each other to death, there really isn't. Um, so Stephen was like, hey, Austin, what do you like for spaceships beating each other to death? And there were three, four series, really, that struck me. Uh, the first is like the Rogue Squadron series. Yeah, it's Star Wars. If you're a Star Wars nerd, you already know that, about the I Rogue recognize Squadron that one. series. Yeah, Michael Stackpole did it. Uh, it's like right after Endor through shenanigans. None of it is real anymore, uh, except that Wedge Antilles is the greatest starfighter pilot of all time uh, until Dario Quint, Ace of Aces, uh, who I guess technically is an atmospheric pilot anyway. So yeah, Wedge Antilles, greatest starfighter pilot of all time. Uh, that other idiot from the new trilogy can suck it. Uh, but that is obviously, because it's about an X-Wing squadron, a bunch of dogfights and space battles and a whole bunch of cool stuff uh, that'll get your heresy juices flowing uh, if you're a Star Wars kind of guy. And if you're not, there's some really, really cool stuff uh, that I like. Uh, the first one is the Honor Harrington season se series. Sorry. Words are I'm, hard. I'm a glass and a bit of port into it by now, so here we go. Um, which is a fantastic series, like kind of hard sci-fi series uh, following a captain uh, in the Royal Manticorean Navy uh, of the Star Kingdom of Manticore, just beating the shit out of a whole bunch of people. It's great. It's... Uh, Got a lot of good, like, detailed space battles, which I like a lot. Um, and it's actually been one of the inspirations for some of the BFG, like, events and scenarios that I've written over time. Uh, the other one that I like is the Lost Fleet series, which is by, God, his name. Um, Jack Campbell. It's actually the quote at the start of this episode. Um it's another hard sci-fi series, but it's got some grim darkness to it because the whole premise of the series is that in the first, there there was a war. Like, there's two big human empires. Uh, well, one of them is sort of, you know, kind of evil, communist-y empire, and the other one, at least at the start, is more of a rah-rah USA, British empire. The good guys, right? Classic good guys, stellar empire. Uh, and our hero is the guy that when uh, is is Captain John Geary and when his fleet or uh, when when the bad guys attack the good guys his little squadron of ships uh, is sort of the first in the way and he per performs kind of a brilliant rear guard action outnumbered outgunned essentially saves the day, not by winning, but by just slowing them down long enough that the rest of the good guy fleet can kind of get together and stave off that initial surprise attack. Well, his ship gets blown up along with every other ship in his formation. He gets into an escape pod because somebody puts him in there uh, and then they miss him. 
And because it's a cryopod, he gets picked up about 150 years later uh, by people who now essentially revere him as the patron saint of the country. Uh, and he's just like, you guys have been fighting this war for 150 years? And none of you were any good at actually fighting a war anymore because everybody's just beating each other to death because nobody has the time to like learn tactics or anything like that. Christ, this is going to be a shit show. And yay, verily, the next nine books are the shit show. Uh, but it's a lot of fun. And the books aren't too long and they're kind of punchy and they got a nice audiobook of at least the first couple. Well, I know what I'm going to get on Audible with my free credit now. Mm. Either that or uh, On Basilisk Station, which is the first book in the 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 Honorverse series, which is also really, really cool. Um, a little less straightforward because it's just such a, I guess, a more fleshed out universe. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, both of those are really, really good. And then, of course, for all of you PC nerds, uh, the Homeworld series, which is a computer game, grant you. Um, but is just so well done and you can pick it up on steam actually, I think, uh, and it's 3d space combat in a essentially infinite battle sphere. Ugh, it's, it's so good, but all of these things kind of pour into and around my brain when it comes to battlefleet Gothic and battlefleet heresy or like Ender's game, the books, not the movie. The movie wasn't terrible, but not the books at all. So yeah, if you're if you're jonesing for some space warfare because GW just isn't giving you enough of it, there are some nice nice places you can look. Yep, there's uh, also there was the only my only real experience with lots of you know spaceships blowing the mess out of each other um, was a game that I played very briefly, but it's Sins of a Solar Empire. Oh, that's another good one. Yep, which. I, I don't quite remember a whole lot about it, but I do remember how much fun it was to just warp jump into some dude's hapless system with a battleship and a couple of cruisers and just lay waste to everything you see. Um, yep. And on the note of naming ships, most of my Battlefleet Heresy Wordbearer ships that aren't named after deities that I found on Wikipedia are named after my ships from Sins of a Solar Empire. Um, <laughs> my flagship later, the flagship of my fleet, is named the Angel Eater. And uh, that was the first name that came to mind when I realized I could rename my ships in Sins of a Solar Empire. So here we are. Yep. Uh, and then, weirdly... Uh, because Battlefleet Gothic, Battlefleet Heresy is just sailing ships in space, right? It's not so much like th there are carriers and it's space, mm -hmm. so it's crazy. But the feel is really like you're on a Royal it's Navy Dreadfleet ship. with extra rules. Yeah, you're on a Royal Navy ship and you're like setting the stonsels and singing a sea shanty. Um, so I'd be remiss to not mention uh, the Master and Commander series. Well, Aubrey Maturin novels, right? The first one is Master and Commander, which was a book in like 2004, which it pains me that I need to remind people that that movie exists. Uh, not because I think you've, you know, 
seen it and forgotten about it because why would you? You're a nerd listening to a Battlefleet Heresy podcast. Um, but because there are people that weren't old enough to really be able to watch it that might be listening. I just found out the age of our interns and it was deeply disturbing. So, yeah. Uh, if you were like five or six in 2004, boy, do I have a movie for you to try and find on the internet. Um, but yeah, Master and Commander is the first book in the series and it's just all about a British captain in the Napoleonic Wars going around having seafaring adventures. And I'm pretty certain that uh, the guys that wrote Battlefleet Gothic you know, friggin' Andy Chambers, Gav Thorpe, Jervis Johnson, those guys, they've, like, they were reading these books as they wrote the rules. They had to have been. So, yeah. Yeah, the only other non-GW source that really sticks in my head when I'm, when I'm doing Battlefleet Gothic stuff is, and I'm fully aware, let me preface this, I know it's not a good movie, all right? I know. Just it, let me have Event it. Horizon? It is Event Horizon. Yes! How dare you say that's not a good movie? It, Event Horizon movie. is a fun movie, but it's not It's not a cinematic paradigm of gothic horror in space. It, it, Actually, it, it, is it might be because it's the only one. Space. Because it's the only one. Okay, all right. Winner by default. <laughs> but if you don't know what event horizon is i think it's probably still on netflix it uh, stars so. dr alan grant from jurassic yeah Park. sam neill is in it <laughs> if you're into that and you should be um but every once in a while you find that fandoms have uh kind of claimed other unrelated things and like kind of absorbed it into their circle of fandom um Event Horizon is one of those things for the Warhammer community. Uh, and I'll give humanity just uh, invents faster than light travel, right? And the first ship to employ it, the Event Horizon, boop, disappears. Without a trace. And it just gets chalked up to, well, that was really weird. Let's, I, I don't know what we're supposed to do now. Um, life goes on. And some number of years later, the space people on Earth get a distress call from a ship claiming to be the Event Horizon. They send out a rescue crew. They go out there. Sam Neill is like, I'm going to find me some dinosaurs in space. It's going to be great. Uh, Lucius Malfoy is in it. But Before Lucius he gets Malfoy is in Gibson. it? Yeah. Who is he? He plays the, uh, he plays the doctor. The medical officer. Oh, yeah. Look at that. Yeah, and so yeah, all Lucius fandoms Malfoy. eventually converge. <laughs> um the lady the the lady from Jurassic Park whose name I also can't remember um see I didn't recognize him with the short hair she plays hair. the female researcher op Jeff Goldblum is yeah. also in it um and Lawrence Fishburne is in it anyway so they go out they go find the ship they get on it everyone's gone there's no sign of life travel faster than light and they do it by going through hell hooray sound familiar Hooray! Yeah. And what do Imperial ships use when they go through hell to make sure that bad things don't happen? A Geller field. Guess what you haven't invented if you didn't realize faster than light travel takes you through hell. Yeah, the event horizon does not have a Geller field. Um, 
but yeah, it's good, like, it, horror, good sci-fi, I enjoy the movie, even though, objectively, the movie itself isn't great. Uh, but that's my, that's, that's my, that's my two cents. Yeah, like, if you watch Event Horizon as a stand-in-its-own-universe movie, eh, eh, like, it's not a bad movie, it's never a movie you'll watch twice, I guess is the best way to put it. You won't regret having seen it, but you won't ever have the urge to watch it again. If you watch this movie uh, and in your mind place it in the 40K universe of this is mankind's first exposure to the warp, it's amazing. And you might <laughs> you might say, but Austin, that's kind of dumb. Uh, like, why why would another fandom, like, putting another fandom in this movie, like make it good. Like you're just trying too hard. No, no dear, dear listener. Uh, because the director, uh, Paul Anderson, and I only know that because I've just pulled it up on uh, the interwebs, but the, like the director and the writers, uh, apparently were 40 K fans. And it shows, it shows in the set. Like the the way they built the event horizon, the way the the chamber with the big machine is built, it looks like some of a forty k kit. Yeah, like, but it's great. Like once once you like know that little tidbit, and you're already you know a a grimdark universe fan, it just makes that movie so much better. Yeah, and uh, like I said, it's on Netflix right now, probably maybe still yeah. so you can go watch it enjoy uh it's a good time yep and i was gonna say something else about it and now i have forgotten so it must not have been that important my mind is still blown that lucius malfoy is in it yeah uh, before he was before he was a, a death eater yeah when he, he was, was a medical officer when he was on... just jason isaacs which is apparently the actor's name Woo-hoo. yeah yeah um but I reckon that's about everything we got for today's episode, or tonight's episode, depending on what time of the day you are listening to it. Time is an illusion. It doesn't matter. That's true. Never more so in 2020. Oof. <clears throat> doesn't matter until it does. <laughs> <sighs> um, so, tune in next time. We uh, might go back to Legions. We might go off the rails again and do something else. Who knows? Alrighty, y'all. Uh, we will see you next time. So spool up your filk, open up some Wikipedia articles, watch Event Horizon. Yeah, wander into some used bookstores. Yep. Good hunting, folks. Sign on your door that just says out to launch. Twelve thousand, half million, million and more. Picnicking out on the warm water shore. Nobody knows that we're always at hand to watch all the Thanks for listening to another podcast from the Remembrancers Retreat. If you enjoyed this episode, consider leaving a rating on iTunes or Apple Podcasts. You can also find our swag store at teespring.com forward slash stores forward slash RR30K podcast. You can also find us on Facebook and Twitter at RR30K podcast. 
You can follow us on Instagram at remembrancers underscore retreat. You can also visit our website, rr30k.com, for podcast updates and the Battlefleet Heresy Compendium. You can also leave us a voicemail for us to play on a future podcast at 1929-437-3791. That's 1929-HERESY1. And you can also leave us an email at the Retreat at gmail.com. Thanks again. <laughs>